0: have got something to kick off with. I saw a film this week that I probably Mm. shouldn't have watched. So you know how both you and me don't particularly gravitate towards horrors? Yeah, go on. Well, I watched probably one of the scariest films of all time by mistake.
1: Was that The Shining?
0: It was The Exorcist. It was a Saturday night and it was about half ten and it was only 15 minutes in. And I thought, why not? And (laughs) I wish I hadn't. I had seen that film for the first time only about three or four years ago. But I must have watched it in a particular mood because it didn't really have any impact on me. So I watched it thinking, oh, I'll watch it again just in case I didn't get something from it the first time. I missed something. And it was totally different. It was super scary.
1: I don't think I've seen it. I don't think you oh. have seen it. I may have watched it, and I may have dismissed it, taking it out of it's my like, it's brain. Like
0: <laughs> it was made in the seventies, and so you'd assume mm. it's not going to be too frightening because there's a lot of prosthetics and stuff. But it really holds up, mm. and uh, and I have to, I have to admit, I have to. This is really embarrassing. I have to admit that the bedside light did <laughs> have to stay on <laughs> for, a short, was... for a short while when I went to bed. <laughs> Oh, Rob. I know, it's <laughs> terrible. So that basically just tells you how bad I am with horrors. The horrors that get to you, horrors that uh, get to you. Uh, so do you know what?
1: You. I, I, I went on my last girls trip. Um, I went, we went and stayed at this big house, very high ceilings, quite an old, it was, a, you know, Airbnb that we stayed at. The room I stayed in was a, a, a young girls bedroom and it had a doll's house in there. And I had to sleep with the light on as well. <laughs> because all I could imagine was the lights coming on in a doll's house in the middle of the night, and I was just like, oh, my God, no. Right,
0: okay, so can I just question the odour of that place? So if this is an Airbnb or somewhere, like, who? Who puts a doll's house?
1: And a doll. A doll that a stares doll. at you.
0: Is it one of those, like, Victorian dolls? <laughs> yes, it was. just looks, like, really I put, freaky.
1: I put the doll outside of my bedroom <laughs> what's the point are they trying to lose business
0: or something
1: well the the annoying thing was my girlfriends that came along with me um they decided that it'd be hilariously funny to leave messages for me via the doll they would have tucked into the doll's dress a little message like we're gonna get you sarah (laughs) (laughs) anyway we watched horror actually it was a thriller this week we watched um but it was sort of disguised with action wasn't it really wasn't that thrillery I would say. No, the, uh,
0: I didn't the, think, the, I know, exactly. Maybe back in 1992, it might have been seen as a thriller. <laughs> what,
1: but, when we were younger.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, back in the day. Switch the light on. <laughs> so what's that? It's Patriot Games.
1: Patriot Games. And I, the, I mean, the reason why I've got it on my list is I just wanted to watch it again, really. I think I've watched a, a snippet of The Fugitive a couple of weeks before I started compiling my list. And I thought, oh, Harrison Ford, a great actor in the action genre. And that's why Patriot Games made it to to my list, really. And I watched it on Sky Cinema. I can also watch it on Now TV at the moment. It's rated 15 probably because of the amount of violence in the film compared to 12 rated films that you can see today. But this this is definitely Harrison Ford's Purple Patch. You you know, he'd been playing heroes from Han Solo, Indiana Jones, to Richard Kimball and the Fugitive around that time as well. And this film was done in 1992, uh, where he plays Jack Ryan, a former CIA analyst and now a professor of U.S. Naval Academy, the story kicks off after a supposed IRA incident in London where he's also taken his family on a holiday trip. And what he was doing is, is, is trying to take this IRA splinter, let's call him, or trying to take out the Queen's cousin and, and his family. And Ryan intervenes, and that's where it all changes for him, really. Uh, Jack Ryan is personally threatened by this group, and he rejoins the CIA to protect his family. And this, I mean, this film spent two weeks at number one, grossing 178 million US dollars. So it was a big grossing film, but I wouldn't say it was necessarily a big budget film. But Rob, what do you think?
0: I, I liked it. It was like a, an ode to all of those all-American Harrison Ford movies that you touched on. And that's what I liked most about it. In fact, when it came up on the list, I think I actually said, oh, Patriot Games, because it's just like, oh, yeah, I remember. I remember that little period of about five years when this is just what Harrison Ford did. And there was a real nostalgia for it. So I I was really looking forward to watching it. In places, it, it felt quite dated. But in other places, it actually surprised me. So I went into this broadly knowing some of the storyline from when I first saw it, which probably would have been at the cinema. And yeah, I think the thing with this film is, it's obviously based on the Tom Clancy novel. And there are a whole series of novels that he he wrote with Jack Ryan as this CIA agent at the heart of all of these books. And I kind of really got a sense, not having read the books, when I watched these films, they really are, for me, pure escapism and entertainment. Yeah. that They're not meant for you to really pour over the context of it or any kind of hidden meanings or, you know, they're not particularly complex. They really are just a kind of an all-out action.
1: I think that's what I liked about it as well. You sort of just chill out and watch it and it just washes over you.
0: And certainly after Schindler's List, it was a (laughs) lot easier to kind of sit through this one. But I, I always find, even with these type of films... I always like to try and find the parts of the film which feel like they're grounded in some kind of reality. That's what kind of, for me, lifts these films. And so I was really surprised at the big set piece at the beginning. You know, it was in the trailer, the London ambush scene. I don't remember it being quite as violent as it was. By that, I mean shots are fired, and it's pretty graphic at kind of close range. And so because of that... I was like, oh, cool, I don't remember this. This is, this is more shocking than I had remembered it to be. So it was those elements of the film that I really liked. And I think for me, there were two scenes like that. There was that opening ambush scene. There's another scene further along in the story where Ford's wife and child, their lives are put in danger in this road rage scene where they're being pursued by this Irish splinter group led by Sean Bean. Almost like a car chase scene over this bridge with Ford's wife played by Anne Archer and the daughter. And that was another one where I was like, wow, that didn't end as I remembered it to end. It was really quite shocking. So those were the big pluses for me. So Mm -hmm. amongst the kind of escapism of it all and the fun and the action and watching Harrison Ford be Harrison Ford, those two bits I just love because it just felt a bit more serious.
1: Um, yeah.
0: I really like Sean Bean. I thought he was his... so
1: really young. Look is so he is, young. look he looked like in his Sharp days. Remember the TV series Sharp? He looks exactly like that. So it must have been around the same time that he was filming that.
0: It was, in mm. actual fact. Here we go. I'm gonna come, go out, on, with a, gonna a come out with a factoid. Get ready. One <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of the yeah, uh, one of the 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 closing scene of the film. I think it, they, they actually switched the, they had to change the ending. But basically, in the closing scene, there was a fight between Sean Bean and, and yeah. uh, Harrison Ford. And Sean Bean did get a scar in his face as a result. And that scar is the scar that's visible in the TV series Sharp. Oh, wow. I mean, I have to say, I remember when Sharp was doing the rounds on ITV and it was, uh, let's just say, it had a certain audience um, I don't I don't really remember watching it, but I know that was really the making of Sean Bean, wasn't it? It
1: was, it was. And then uh, in, in a very short period in, in Game of Thrones, it was like a couple of episodes. But what I liked also, I mean, it was oozing with, with celebrities and, and famous people in this. It was, there was Richard Harris, who was the RRA leader. There was a young Samuel L. Jackson, who is one of his U.S. Navy friends, I guess. Uh, James Earl Jones uh, and Thora Birch was a 10-year-old in this and now she plays Gamma or Mary in the the Walking Dead series and I love Walking Dead. Big fan of that. But what I found hilariously funny is Lofty from EastEnders popped up fixing Cooley's electric fan or or lighting. But yeah, I was like, Lofty in this
0: film. <laughs> you beat me to it. That was that was that was going to be my question. What's the connection between ah. games and EastEnders? Oh, like, Lofty. Oh, what? Oh,
1: Good <laughs> ah, so old Lofty. I wonder what he's up to these days. <laughs> but did you think, uh, the props are hilarious as well. I mean, I know the US were a little bit behind with their mobile phones, but
0: it, this is... <laughs> I know. The, I this, know. The,
1: they're bricks of mobile phones or In the car, they had a massive brick of a phone connected to the car. And it was just like, what? I know. And we never really had those in the UK. And I just find it hilarious that I know that the US was so much behind in those days to Europe with their mobile phone technology, Um, but also the PC monitors and the cars, all very 80s looking as well, even though it was set in 1992. And then also I found out that the the house was, you know, that was amazing by the sea. Apparently Annopolis is the place where this was supposed to be set. There's no sea for like miles around, <laughs> apparently from from this location as well. So there's a couple of bloopers in there. But yeah, I, it, it's a great film to just sort of watch and chill out, really. I thoroughly enjoyed that. But one thing I found is, did you think Harrison Ford should have been chosen for this part?
0: That's something that really didn't register at the time when I was watching. So I've always seen seen this as Harrison Ford's film in the same way. I see this as a, I mean, it is, isn't it? It's a companion piece to the the following film in the series, which was Clear and Present Danger. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's he's quite old in it. He
1: uh, is. He's fifty. He's fifty in this. I but know. He's about supposed to be about thirty five or thirty or something.
0: I don't know. It's Harrison Ford cut him some slack it's harrison i
1: know but when you look at some of the others like alec baldwin who is in the hunt for red october he was about 32 yeah um, no, when he definitely. played that role ben affleck was fairly young chris pine and john krasinski if i could get pronounce his pronunciation—John krasinski. krasinski. that's the one in the tv series he's in he must be in his 30s as well so ford seemed much older and the reason why i, I kind of picked that up is because i was kind of thinking he's got a 10 year old child His wife, who also was a similar age, she was 46, Anne Archer in this film, they were expecting another baby. And it's not, you know, 46 is a little bit older. Some people obviously do have children at, you know, later ages than that as well, even. But I just, they didn't batter an eyelid. Oh, yeah, you know, we're expecting another baby kind of scenario. And I was thinking... Should he have been younger? So that's why I went, look, started looking into the ages of them. And then so you're, going, make
0: it, you're, making yeah. the fa- you're making the fatal mistake of reading, uh, too, much, reading too much into it. You, you, well, you've really done the maths on this. Uh, but, then, have, but then, by the same token, <laughs> if you're going to start poking holes in, in this film, then um, the scene when Harrison Ford looks uh-huh. at his superior and basically asks him to redirect a satellite. Of course, yeah. just so they can get a view over this site in the <laughs> middle of the desert somewhere in Africa to stage a siege, which is nothing more than really a punt then I think you have to let some of these things go.
1: Uh, I was try—I was trying to think, who else could have played that part, to be honest? But I love Harrison Ford. I do love Harrison Ford. And I, I know also that Alec Baldwin was going to be playing that part. But I think there was some contractual issues or there were some disagreements. So it was supposed to be Alec Baldwin. And I know it was also offered to Kevin Costner But I think he turned it down Because he was—he got given a directorial debut For Dance of the Wolves at the time Which obviously was the right decision for him Because the, the film won Best Picture So yeah, it's interesting But I would have actually If I was to choose somebody else I would have looked at maybe Tom Cruise a bit too petite, I think Keanu Reeves maybe a bit too young Because it was around a couple of years before Speed And he looked quite young in that
0: Brad Patrick Pitt.
1: Swayze, I was thinking. What about Patrick Swayze?
0: Patrick Swayze would have been an interesting choice because he mm. probably was a little bit typecast yeah. from, mind you, Point Break. He
1: was brilliant in Point he
0: Break. He was brilliant in Point Break. I don't know, I could see yeah. Co- I could see Costner in this role easily, couldn't you? Yeah,
1: oh yeah. And I think they've had mix of occasions where Ford has given said no and, he, and Kevin Costner has taken the role.
0: That purple patch that he was going through with Dancing with Wolves, bodyguard. I mean, he did a whole load, Bull Durham, Field of Dreams. Yeah. Like you say, it was around this time.
1: Untouchables, I think, was offered to Oh, to, Untouchables. Uh, yeah, JFK as well. There's Air Force One, which I think Ford did do. But there was also, he was asked to, to do a part in Aliens. There was Kate Fear, Schindler's List, who was asked to play Liam Neeson's character in Schindler's List, which he turned down. I don't think it would have been right for Schindler's List, to be honest. I think Liam Neeson played that perfectly. Jurassic Park, consider Sam Neill. Um, you know, lots of. Um, pfft, Tom Hanks in Save It pro uh, Ford was offered that first. So there's lots and lots of them which other people have taken, but there was occasion where there was it was between Kevin Costner and, and Ford. So it was really interesting to watch that. Where you can find that, there's a Castings um, call video that's on IMDB when you, when you search Patriot Games. It's really interesting to watch some of these little snippets of information that they share on these videos.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as of anyone who does know IMDB, I'm sure they've already poured over the little trivia sections as well there's so many good little bits in there um I didn't know for example it does all seem to kind of make sense because Harrison Ford was offered the role of Jack Ryan in The Hunt for Red October but he turned it down because he thought there was too much emphasis on Sean Connery's character and not enough on the actual hero role so that's why he turned it down so obviously it, it coming back to him yeah, like you say, it was a scheduling clash. Alec Baldwin was was doing Streetcar Named Desire, and Harrison Ford, at the same time, a film he was preparing to make fell through, and so he became available, and that's how he was offered the role. Hmm. Proper. This is a proper geek out conversation here. Now. It
1: is, but we are complete offer, cinema actually.
0: I'm going <laughs> to take it back to the film because um, <laughs> we've the, gone off at
1: a tangent. Haven't we really? have gone
0: off serious tangent. Yeah, I, I like the serious stuff, and so. The action scenes, some of them I were good and and some of them I thought were just just a bit too much. I mean it's patriot games, but I'm not I, you can't spoil it but the, but the action scene at the end, oh, it was almost like oh, i don't know how to finish this film let's just put them on a, a couple of speedboats and it't know it just looked wrong, and I found it interesting to discover afterwards that that wasn't the ending they originally filmed, the ending they filmed was them having a fight just on rock somewhere at yeah. the sea. And apparently didn't rate well with testing audiences and they had to come up with something else. As I say, it, it feels exactly that. It feels like it was just kind of written just yeah. to get, get the film made almost caving yeah. into the predict, you know, what would be a more predictable ending. So those we really, mm. those moments mm. I liked the kind of, the moments that were shocking and maybe more violent than you imagined, I was hoping there might be something towards the end that matched that. So for me, it fell a bit flat on that front. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm going to go really anorakic. Oh,
1: go on, go on.
0: (laughs) Apparently, in that fight scene on the speedboats, there's a shot of Sean Bean. And Sean Bean's haircut, is different from the rest of the film because he had started filming Sharp and,
1: Sharp. <laughs>
0: and they had to sh- they had to literally ship him in to kind of redo the end of the film.
1: helicopter him, helicopter him on his yeah, boat. I thought, I just well, now thought that, that would have been brilliant. Had a bit more action. I know
0: exactly. He should have turned up in full military yeah. garb, shouldn't he? And they should have just like really kind of merged the two. That would what? have been a good ending. Yeah. Sharp. Were- Sharp. Yeah versus Jack Ryan at the end.
1: <laughs> Who would have won? I don't
0: know. I'm <laughs> oh, definitely Sharp. I'm rooting for Sharp every day of the week. I was really yeah. hoping Sean Bean was... I thought Sean Bean actually was quite a good character. Yeah. I thought a lot of the other characters were kind of quite... I don't know, they, they felt a bit thumbnail-like, a bit cookie-cutter. Mm. Whereas, I know, Sean Bean did seem quite menacing. And the central premise of the film does work in drawing you into the two main characters. I mean, because effectively, really, it's about two men who are both protecting or avenging their family. family. So it's quite simple. And it it does work. Very simple plot. It it works well enough to draw you into the two main characters, and I think they are the strongest characters. Can I ask you about the very last scene? I really was thinking, I've got to speak to Sarah about this last scene because... Go on then,
1: if you can remember it. (laughs) Go on
0: I was watching this and I thought, okay, I, you know, you had the climatic action scene, you know, oh, someone saves a day. I wonder who that is, uh, and then and then we find ourselves in, you know, in a lovely family setting at um, Mr. Ryan's home. Spoiler alert: Sorry, Ryan doesn't die, but there are other films. So I don't think that's enough spoil. <laughs> Uh, it's a lovely family breakfast scene. The phone goes, passes the phone to the wife, and it's, oh, some test results are in, and she's asking, do you want to know the sex of our baby yet to be born? hmm And Harrison Ford looks at his daughter, almost wanting her to answer the question of, like, should I ask? Should we ask? Should we not? <laughs> and he says, yes, he wants to know. And then it just cuts to black. And that's <laughs> the end of the film.
1: And I'm like... You end on I- a high note, a nice... Family. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> this is the, this is the whole point
0: that I found really strange. I know they have to play on the whole the importance of his family for for the whole thing to work, but I wasn't so interested in that to really. <laughs> give to monkeys, Uh, whether it's it's a boy or a girl. It's
1: a male perspective. So that's
0: why that's why that's why I Ah, wanted that's why I wanted to ask you. I thought
1: No, I didn't think that at all. I just thought, Oh, that's nice. They're back together and they carry on as normal.
0: (laughs) I know, I feel really bad now. (laughs) I feel really bad after that rant.
1: So harsh, Rob. So harsh. You what do you want to have a hug at the end? On after they've had the boat scene, think, is that it? And it's... he was dry after the boat scene. So,
0: don't <laughs> come at me with that. You start picking holes in Harrison Ford's age <laughs> as Jack Ryan. I'm allowed to have a little uh, rant at the end about. And then okay. give us a
1: rating. Give us a rating.
0: I gave it seven out of ten.
1: Ooh, that's interesting. I gave it six and a half. Ooh. Reason being, there were some bloopers, yeah, and, and it was my film. Um, there were a few bloopers, it was a bit cheesy, um, but actually, although I've given it 6.5 um, out of 10, I am quite keen to watch Clear and Present Danger now.
0: I was wondering whether to give it 6.5, and then I thought, well, I was looking back on the on Cube, which we gave, or I gave 6.5, and I thought, oh, I think for me, I probably enjoyed it a bit more. Mm. And I... I don't know. I just had to forgive all the cheesiness about it purely just because it was. I don't know. Maybe it's just a nostalgia thing. I do like Harrison yeah. Ford.
1: I do like Harrison Ford as well, and um, I'm not being ageist whatsoever. By the can way, can I say
0: can I can I say a forgiving seven out of ten? Then a forgiving seven yes, out of ten. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank Good.
0: You. Thank you. I feel better now. Right. right.
1: The that was a
0: proper night. that was a proper geek out <laughs> wasn't it we really, it was, we I really went that. to time on that okay right
1: you <laughs> do a bit more on the, <laughs> the dark night <laughs>
0: that's okay. my impression
1: of christine bale anyway
0: all right come on you oh no this is Mike. this is the one yeah, i gave yours. you isn't it yeah yeah, yeah uh, go for okay it. all right let me just quickly set this one up this is the second part of christopher nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. I'm not sure if you've seen Batman Begins or if anyone out there has seen Batman Begins, but that was really like the origin story. The climax of that really is is him establishing himself as Batman. So we pick this next chapter up with Bruce Wayne managing to kind of keep a lid on all of the crime in a very present day Gotham City and is seen largely as a hero by the people. Though it's fair to say in Batman Begins, looking back on it, He's actually really quite a menacing, scary figure. So there's always Mm -hmm. this moral ambiguity with him. This film is really, really all about the Joker. So this sees the introduction of the Joker who goes from bank robber to criminal mastermind, who's just got one goal, which is to wreak complete havoc and chaos and expose Batman's identity this is really about the mind games between Heath Ledger, who plays the Joker, and Christian Bale, who plays Batman. So you've got the Joker who's seeking to undermine Batman's status as this, this hero through a series of psychological mind games and physical tests that, yeah, it's designed really to make Batman question his very presence and morality and motivation. I mean, even as I, even as I say all this... You know, for anyone who's not really invested in comic book films, I mean, the it still is a, a film about a rich man-child dressed as a bat um, facing off against a terrorist in clown makeup, which is really the ethos of all these Batman stories. But the key thing about this is Nolan, I think, takes it to a very, very different place. The epic nature and scale of it, the performances in it, I think actually kind of redefined the blockbuster, especially comic book blockbuster film. Mm. So who's in it? Um, so as I say, you've got Christian Bale reprising the role as Batman. You've got Killian uh, Murphy still in there as Scarecrow, um, has a very small role in it, but he still pops up at the beginning. You've got Heath Ledger, of course, as the Joker and um, you've got Aaron Eckhart who plays the district attorney Harvey Dent who's dating Bruce Wayne's childhood sweetheart Rachel played by Maggie Gyllenhaal you've yep. got Gary Oldman as Gotham's police lieutenant and commissioner Gordon is the traditional name we probably associate associate with him and he's obviously this ally of Batman and then you've got Morgan Freeman as Wayne Enterprises head of research and development Lucius Fox so like you know very much like the Q in Bond Coming up with all of the gadgets and, and really helping Bruce Wayne as Batman mm. um, do what he does. And of course, Michael Kane as Alfred Bruce Wayne's butler stroke father figure. So, yeah, that's the setup. What do you think?
1: Yeah, and I mean, there was also Eric Roberts as well. I had to look him up then because I, I kept sat, sat there looking at Marooney, this bad guy who, who was helping out the Joker. And I was going, who is that? Who is that? But first, I was thinking of uh, Patrick Bergen or you know, other other people, and and then yeah, Eric Roberts was in. It. Again, another film that is just a lot of famous actors and actresses in it. And I thought Maggie Gyllenhaal also played Rachel. I think a bit better than Kate Katie Holmes did for the Batman Begins. First, I hadn't seen it for quite some time. Actually, I've watched this third time I watched it and i saw it at the cinema and then i watched it on dvd or blu-ray or whatever and this time i watched it on sky cinema i did think at first who is the dark knight is the dark knight batman which you would assume is the dark knight but also there was also um harvey dent's character who was very i almost thought he could be the dark knight in this so i wondered whether there was a twist at the end but Christian Bale, as Commissioner Gordon says at the end of the film, The Silent Guardian, The Watchful Protector, The Dark Knight, and he kind of says it all. Christian Bale is definitely my favourite Batman. He's a bit more, He's got a bit more seriousness about him. He was told to bulk up for the Batman films as well because he's not a particularly bulky, muscly guy, is he? And he's definitely much darker films than through each of Christopher Nolan's films that he's directed. And what was interesting also is that... His Christopher Nolan's brother was, I think it's Jonathan Nolan, was the screenwriter too. And they've done the prestige Dark Knight Rises as well together. But it's just the husky voice that gets me. Where does the husky voice come from? Is it just to disguise their voice? Because you've, I mean, there's previous batmans where you've had adam west of the tv series george clooney and i'd say val kilmer you should i'd have to say you must watch the trailers of batman and robin and and val kilmer's um i don't want um, to go there The batman They're, the trailers of those are just so cheesy it's unbelievable whereas this is so much darker and that's like
0: uh, that's like it, it's like that's like as camp as Christmas. Those films, in yeah, comparison, I know. And
1: again, filled with with the stars, but they don't have any husky voice. I think it must have been adopted by, I mean, Michael Keaton, Ben Affleck, and Christian Bell All that that really husky voice.
0: I remember hearing that voice when I was watching Batman Begins and I met uh, the first time I heard it, I thought, <laughs> Oh, this, this could ruin the whole film for me.
1: Yeah.
0: But I suppose because it was like, at its heart, it's a comic book film. I just went with it. And in actual fact, I, I even though it's obviously a bit over the top and it is strange when you first hear it, I kind of got used to it and I quite liked it. It felt almost felt like a homage to the silliness, I suppose, of, of, mm-hmm. of some of these comic mm-hmm. book films.
1: But they must—I mean, they must have gone home and had a a hot drink at the end of the day just to get back into the studio the next day because doing a husky voice for a long period of time is is not good for your throat.
0: Factoid Uh, alert: Can I tell you something? Because this is the perfect time to say is that apparently Christian Bale toned down the voice Mm -hmm. in this film, but in post-production they made it deeper and more gravelly mm. and grittier. Anyway, right. that's the yeah. end of the factoid alert. Please carry on.
1: <laughs> I love also the fact that uh, the Lego movie character uh, for Batman yes, as well yes, has exactly. the same husky voice.
0: <laughs> well, that's it. Now, now when you watch it, you think of that. And there was loads of like, there was loads of funny sketches that were really parodying his whole voice after this as well. And I must admit I, my mind does go there sometimes.
1: I mean, for the for most Batmans, there are more than one baddie in it but they only had like a minor role I think but I think for this film I mean it was two and a half hours long as it was and I think if they cut out Two-Faced Harvey in the script or being part of the plot I think they would have got it <laughs> much like... You You can tell I don't like really long films. In every every podcast we've done, I was like, oh, my goodness, that's three hours long. You know, two and a half hours long is, is bad enough as well for me. It took most of my Sunday <laughs> to watch this film in snippets while stealing my children at the same time. coming that's, to just,
0: food. That's, just as, <laughs> that's just as Christopher Nolan intended everyone to watch the film. Not in a <laughs> IMAX cinema, not even in the cinema, at home. TV, in chunks...
1: <laughs> Yeah, it was. And it just when you think it should end, it carries on. And you're like, oh, what? It could have stopped at certain points and it still would have been good. But I think if they just kept it to the Joker and didn't bring in Two Faced Harvey, I think it still would have been equally as good.
0: A couple of things I was interested to mm. get your thoughts on. What Christopher Nolan, I suppose, did with it in terms of just how... Because for me, it felt just a much more grown-up, yeah, e- epic-looking film... And I mean, we have to talk about Heath Ledger's performance. Yeah, yeah. For me, those are the two the two big selling points of the movie.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I I much preferred the Christopher Nolan three than any other Batman. Yeah, they're much darker, deeper, more adult focused. I think the Joker was was brilliantly played by Heath Ledger. He was unrecognisable. Really, he you couldn't really hear his normal voice Um, and what was interesting I read that he actually for six weeks before the filming he secluded himself in a motel room and delved into psychology of the character developing the joker's tics the laugh and just wanted to make sure he was completely different to how Jack Nicholson Played the Joker in in you know previous versions of of the Batman films. He was aiming for, I understand, a, a sort of punk rocker, Sid Vicious and Alex from the Clockwork Orange kind of character and I, he certainly got there and he you know obviously unfortunately he passed away in 2009 and he got the Oscar that year as well which uh which is a real shame because he had a lot going from him because he started off doing 10 things I hate about you and some sort of bit parts and then he did the Patriot and then Brokeback Mountain was this real serious one as well and he was being seen as well uh, established actor at that point and this was a really good role for him and as I said he, he just wouldn't wouldn't have known it was it was Heath Ledger and I like the way that his makeup wasn't pristine it was sort of looked all smeared and this complete psychopath he really was and the background of his his father being quite cruel to him, you sympathised a little bit with him, really. But he's completely nuts; he really was. And you kind of wondered who he was going to kill next, really. You surprised—I'm surprised, surprised that it was a 12A because it was quite violent as well. Even Batman was violent, I think, in this film. And I think throughout all the, the Nolan films, he is a, a much more cruel kind of Batman than than any of the others. But it's—it's it's a great film. I, I th- as I said, I think a little bit too long, and I would like to have stopped it on maybe the first. Or second little areas where they could have where they could have cut it really but I, I love all the props and you know the everything that's all the expense that's gone into the Batmobile's are always great as well and one thing that I did also read is that during the making of the film, the Chicago Police Department had reports that police were chasing a dark vehicle through the streets. And, um, you know, <laughs> so, like people were thinking it's a real police chase. And that's, you know, how realistic I think uh, uh, Christopher Nolan wanted to make it as well. But um, I'm, I'm not sure about the next Batman. Do you know who the next Batman's going to be?
0: Robert Pattinson.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure I about him.
0: He'll certainly do something interesting with it. Because he's a very good actor, uh, and I, and I assume they're going to make it relatively you know complex and dark and what have you um so I'm sure it'd be an interesting film, but I just uh, these 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 will always stand alone for having Noden's stamp on them and what I liked about this film and this whole series is that it almost felt like a crying thread and drama a lot of the time, and it's almost the fact that you've got you know, a flying bat or a clown or a, mm-hmm. someone called the Scarecrow or Bane or whoever it is, Two-Face, it doesn't distract from what feels like a, a proper thought out, well-crafted, beautiful looking film. Yeah. Um, the action also is quite, it's just done so well. Like you say, the I think it's called the Bat Pod, which effectively is the bike that comes out of the Batmobile. The scene on this this incredible, well, motorbike, but like a motorbike you've never seen before. I just thought was absolutely incredible, that that whole scene. Um, and that was one of my favorite bits in the film. My other favorite scene was when you had Batman and the Joker in the prison cell mm. because that for me summed up the way these two characters are portrayed and the way Batman is kind of betrayed throughout the whole series, is quite a rough, violent scene. I love the way it's almost in this scene, Batman totally cracks. I don't even want to say the word Batman. It almost like takes away from what is, I think an awesome scene, just as two actors who happen to be wearing like crazy costumes. I urge everybody to, to watch it. Cause it's just this two handed scene where the Joker really just picks the Batman's mind apart right in front of you and prods him and prods him and prods him. This whole notion of like, kill me. I want you to kill me. I want you to, to beat me up. Mm. Is something that happens a lot throughout the film. And in this particular scene, Batman really goes to town on him. And, you know, you've got commissioner Gordon and, and everyone watching outside this, you know, through the glass of this cell, they see it getting out of hand and they have to, they want to go in and break it up because they realize he's, he's out of control and he's, he's pummeling the Joker. And, and, Batman puts a chair up against the door so they can't get in. And you have this yeah. real genuine sense of, wow, like he's, he's, I mean, you, I always am more interested in seeing a Batman who's totally messed up in the same way that the Joker in this film is totally messed up. Like you say, he's a psychopath and you genuinely don't know what he's going to do next. It really works. His whole, his whole goal is this, is to be chaotic and he, yeah, I and did you, he did it, you did it. You feel it throughout yeah. the whole film. Batman yeah. just cannot no one can keep up with him because there's no there's just genuinely not only there's no logic to it, but what he does is truly just crazy, and so the way the two worlds the two characters clash i don't think i've seen it done better in any other batman film i mean I, I mean when Batman originally came it came out i remember seeing that at the cinema and Obviously, Jack Nicholson's portrayal of the Joker is, is still held up as, you know, as one of the best, but it's definitely of a certain kind. It's almost like your un- uncle Jack as this kind of wicked, funny Joker. It has its place. But like you said, Ledger takes this to a whole new, yeah,
1: it does. A whole new yeah. place, obviously Wish. very intentionally. Yeah, which may have been his downfall personally as well at the end well, of the Well, as
0: for here, yeah, I mean, there's loads of, obviously loads of rumours about that. And, and the, he did totally get into this in terms of method acting. There was a lot of improvisation. He told Baird he really wanted him to beat him up in that scene. And oh, wow. there's a scene where he, I think, is applauding Commissioner Jordan because they've caught, you know, they finally caught the Joker and everyone's clapping in this in in this police precinct where the joker's being kept and the joker just starts clapping and that was never that was just no, the, that was yeah. Heath Ledger and they just let the cameras roll and that ended up going in there. The scenes where the Joker produces these, you know, homemade videos that he sends to the news networks, he actually made those himself. The first one was overseen by Nolan, but he was so impressed mm-hmm. with what he did with it, he let him do the second mm-hmm. one completely on his own. So it yeah. just shows you the the lengths um
1: that was his next step and that would have been his probably his next step directing maybe
0: yeah uh, it might uh, well Ledger. have been but i mean mm-hmm. it's, it's it's really sad because you genuinely do feel this, his passing was, was you'd put it almost right up there with you know james dean passing like a massive massive talent that sadly was just cut so short so i mean i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna give it go on I'm going to give it nine out of 10. I almost gave it eight. eight. I almost gave it eight and a half. But do you know mm-hmm. what? I'd give it nine purely on Heath Ledger's performance. It was, it was that for me, it was that good. So I did actually, there you go. I've just changed my mind at the last minute.
1: I'm going to give it eight and a half. Um, ah, okay. I, uh, but the reason being is yes, Heath Ledger was amazing. The, the It was a massive big budget film. It, it graced I'm going to give you some more numbers, one billion US dollars. And it was, you know, the budget was, was the same as what Patriot Games grossed, which was interesting. And what they did with it was amazing, I think. But I think it's a bit too long. <laughs> I think they could have, axed, could have not had as much Two-Faced Harvey. I so agree. eight and a half from me.
0: I agree. It is too long. Um, and I also agree with the Harvey Dent Two-Faced. It had its place, but you could have taken it out. And it probably would have been a much tighter, more engaging yeah. film.
1: Yeah. Right. So what does that lead to then? Picking films for this week?
0: Oh, I like this bit. So you're going first in picking a genre. So what
1: is it? Fantasy?
0: It's fantasy, romance and war are the three that are left.
1: I've gone for romance. Romance? Well, I haven't gone for it. I picked out romance.
0: Romance. Time for a bit of romance. Mm. Okay. Okay. So, romance, I have 20.
1: 20? Okay, it's quite a few more than I've got. Okay, I will go for 20.
0: They've gone for Vertigo, Alfred Hitchcock.
1: Vertigo? Is that a romance?
0: <laughs> I know, it's a romance. Yeah, it is a romance.
1: <laughs> no way, that's not a romance, surely.
0: It is no, no, no. You, you, you can't, you can't get me to pick another one just because you don't think it's a romance. All right. I suppose, that's, I suppose, my action
1: thriller last week was very uh, yeah, more action.
0: So um, what this is about? Okay, IMDb. Here we go. Former police detective juggles wrestling with his personal demons and becoming obsessed with a hauntingly beautiful woman. This stars James Stewart and Kim Novak.
1: Um. And
0: it's from 1958. It's available to stream on Now TV and Sky Go. And you can also rent it on pretty much all the channels Amazon, Google, YouTube, B- BFI Player, Apple, Sky Store, etc. Oh, et all caboodle. <laughs> the whole kit and <laughs> caboodle.
1: No good. Uh, right. So we're left with war or fantasy.
0: And the winner is fantasy.
1: Right. I've got three. (laughs) Three? (laughs) Yeah.
0: I'm going to go for the magic number three.
1: Well, I have The Life of Pi.
0: Oh, you beauty. You beauty, Sarah. You here is a film, classic example, totally forgot about Life of Pi, would have been on my list anyway. This was Ang Lee. When it when Ang Lee does good stuff, this is what he's capable of doing. And then he can do some dodgy <laughs> stuff as well.
1: So this one is actually to rent or buy. And it's on all main online channels and including Sky Store and Amazon Prime, etc. as well. It's
0: based on a book, I believe.
1: Yes, it is.
0: A young man who survives a disaster at sea is hurtled into an epic journey of adventure and discovery. While cast away, he forms an unexpected connection mm. with another survivor—a fierce this... Bengal tiger. The effects mm. in this are mind blowing. Beautiful
1: aren't they? and beautiful as well. It is.
0: A, you're right. Yeah. It is a beautiful film. Well, I'm I'm super pleased about that.
1: Good. Cool.
0: I'm just. So, I'm, um... I'm. I'm. i Don't know if you're as super pleased <laughs> about
1: you your again. film
0: as I am about mine. Well,
1: I don't know. Let's see. I I, I'm intrigued.
0: Intrigued. That's what I like. I to am. It. Good stuff. Good. Right. Yes. Well, that's, that's it. And if anyone wants to get in touch, they can now do so on two channels
1: email, yeah, which is <laughs> twosmallcakes at a large popcorn.com and Facebook. And just search for twosmallcakes. Lovely, yeah. juggly. Cool. Sounds great. Alrighty,
0: looking forward to it. I hope you enjoy Vertigo. I hope you managed to watch it in all one go and uh, enjoy the lovely weather during yeah. these lockdown days, which are going on and, on
1: and on and on. But we've got lots of movies we can watch, so it's all good. Absolutely. Alrighty. See you next week. Yeah. Bye. Yes, bye. Bye.